Hello. Hello. I'm Jen. And I'm Purple. And, and we, we solemnly swear, swear we are, we are up, up to, to no good. good. You're listening to Seriously Moons, the podcast by and for the Wolfstar fandom. Hello and welcome back to episode three. Yay! Episode trois. Tres. Those are the only two Tres. other notes. Uh, <laughs> <by> dry. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I've run out of languages that I know. That are verbal, that are spoken languages. Okay. Thank you for all of your lovely feedback about last episode. Uh, We had some lovely thoughts and compliments on our interview with Issa and other kind of headcanons that we all raised. So thank you so much for all of your interactions. They are forever wonderful and appreciated. We love you. We love you. Okay, Okay, what's been going on in the world of fandom right now? Uh, we have a couple of some asks to discuss from Tumblr and questions that people have raised. Carly Remus, Kate, said that her personal headcanon for Peter's birthday is the 16th of September. So there you go. Okay. I had a discussion with someone the other day about what star sign we would put Peter in. And he would be a Gemini. <laughs> Sorry to any Geminis, <laughs> but he would be a Gemini. That's kind of on opposite ends of the year, the September yeah. and Gemini, but yeah. all right. He I can think, have two oh. birthdays. <laughs> no, don't give him two birthdays. No birthdays. <laughs> I'm sure wait, it was... Wait, if you count it, is his half birthday in September? Oh, maybe. Oh, let me see what I want Because I... Oh, that was it. I didn't... I didn't like him being a Gemini because it puts his birthday too close to my wedding anniversary. And I was oh. like, I will not soil that. <laughs> but no, Kate's headcanon for Peter is the 16th. Okay. Thank you, Kate, for giving yeah. someone a Thank birthday. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> You're Peter's best friend now. Uh, someone else on Tumblr, uh, Omnia Vespera, said that they believed it was mentioned somewhere in the book or perhaps in chapter art that Hagrid had baby Harry in a sidecar when he turned up to Privet Drive on the 1st slash 2nd of November. Uh, so does that mean that Sirius is carried on the bike in a sidecar? Give me cute mm. art of uh, Harry in a sidecar on the bike. That would be adorable. That would be. That's true. I'm just flipping through my book your raven floor is showing. I know. It, it's not very hidden, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I have a giant banner in my kitchen. <laughs> I don't know what else you want from me. I do remember there being a side somewhere. So I'm reading from the U.S. edition paperback Sorcerer's Stone that was... Let me check when this one was published. It was printed in November 2001. On page 18, here comes Hagrid in the motorcycle. In his vast muscular arms, he was holding a bundle of blankets. So yeah, so, so. That, says, that says to me, no sidecar. Is there a sidecar no side- in the movies? I have no idea because I watched them in the theater and that was Actively it. Actively avoid but, them. I think yeah. there might be a sidecar in the movies. I don't want to discredit mm. 
know. But now what I am going to do is open up my extraordinarily old hardcover of Sorcerer's Stone, which I never open because it's falling apart. But I'm looking at the art for the chapter, mm. but it's just a baby in a blanket. It does not have the motorcycle. Hmm. That was the other place I could think yeah. where there was art. I think it might be in the movie. I don't know. I've not seen the movie in a while either. Movie people, tell us if there's a sidecar. Yeah, yeah. If there's not, draw me a sidecar. I'd quite like it. <laughs> oh, now I just made myself sad. Like, no. what if. <laughs> Should I say it or not? Yes, say it, of course. Okay, what if Sirius added the sidecar after Harry was born? Because, <laughs> yeah, like, Lily and James would be like, you're not taking the baby on a motorcycle. And Sirius is like, he's my godson, I'll do what I want. And Lily's like, at least get a sidecar, dude. And he's like, fine. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And he's so weird. He like, to Lily, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, maybe he could put a little... Like mobile of deer. Like a booster seat. <laughs> like a and like a little mobile. Oh. With little tiny deer. Oh and my a dog. God. Yeah. And a wolf. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we're sad. Moving on. Yeah. <clears throat> Moving onwards. Moving onwards. Any other asks on Tumblr? Um, Yume Nuvo said that they would love it if we talked about what got us into all our and all to the fandom. Uh, which I don't know if it's that interesting, <laughs> but it's definitely something we will ask guests. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about our journeys to fandom now or in another episode or something, but uh, it's not really interesting. Mm, neither is I mine. Found some fandom. Yeah, same. I was like trawling AO3 to find I wanted to read. And then I was like, wait, wait, these two. Give me these two. <laughs> these ways. Yeah, I will well, protect them with my life. They're mine now. It took me a really long time to get into fandom. Like, I knew fandom was a thing mm. in general. But I, being a historian, have always been like, but it goes against the books. <laughs> yes. So you're like, I have to have the evidence. So it took me a long time. And even when I first started, I would only read AUs that mm. were like more acceptable to me. Because it didn't bother because, you so much if there was like something right, wrong. Something, yeah, if there was something that, that was against canon. Mm. Um, but now I don't care. But then they pulled you in and now you just read everything. <laughs> yes, now I read everything pretty much. And also I am now looking closer to, like I, I've only ever been reading the books. Like I did Pottermore a little bit, mm. but I don't really pay that much attention to the things that came after the books or mm. like supplementary things. I have the Beetle the Bard book, mm. you know, but like I don't all the stuff that like JKR posts on Twitter and all that stuff, yeah, I don't her Twitter is pay attention to. <laughs> so it wasn't really until I got into the community that I realized how many inconsistencies there are yeah. within that, right? Like Within the books, there's only, especially when, when you're talking about the Marauder era, there's such little information mm-hmm. in the books that there's not much to like counteract itself mm. um, or, or contradict itself is yeah. the word I'm actually trying to say. So I think once I kind of re- like realized that, then I was like, oh, people do whatever they want. <laughs> so shall we talk yes. about what's happening yes. in fandom? Okay. There have been a couple of fics posted. Yeah, well, there are lots of fics. But this one is old. It's from 2011. But I just read it the other day. 
and it's awesome. It's called Golden Hours Passing By, and it's by Grandiloquism, I think. <laughs> if that's how you say it. The, the link will be anyway, in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, we'll link it in the show notes. It's an AU where there's no Voldemort, and the Lupins went to France, and Sirius is a magical artifact restorer mm, and i need this universe to have like fifty thousand more words yeah. <laughs> it's only 11k it doesn't feel like 11k when you're reading it though i don't think i felt like i was drawn into the world like instantly yeah and there's, there's these descriptions of sirius's office and what he's doing and his whole office is just a dream like it's so good. Yeah, everything, the descriptions are wonderful. The whole universe is wonderful. I and mean, it is a magical universe, but it's a little bit different from the, you know, like canon Harry Potter mm. universe, obviously. But uh, it's just one, everything is wonderful. Mm. If you haven't read it, go read it. Okay. It's beautiful. Your turn. Uh, I wanted to give a <laughs> shout out to Snow Black by Logana with two A's at the end. Uh, it, this is so good. It's a fairy tale AU. It's a retelling of Snow White. Uh, where Sirius is our, uh, what's the word? Our titular character. Protagonist? Yeah, I think so. Sirius is Snow White. <laughs> there you go. He's, he's been kicked out of his house by Orion. It, oh, it's really good. The dialogue is lovely. There's this lovely banter. There's three chapters up right now and more in the works. It's really beautiful. It's like funny and witty and uh, I'm already in love with the Black Brothers relationship in this fic. So. Link is in the show notes. Go and give it a read. Okay, so here is my brand new rant that just happened like half an hour ago. Literally, we were, but... we were about to start recording. <laughs> yes. Um, so a lot of people had canon the Blacks as being East Asian, usually Thai, which I love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just took that and I was like, Walburgus and like I know their cousins right but so I was like Walburgus side of the family tree is the East Asian side and Orion side is the white people side mm-hmm. right um and this is fine until we started talking about it on discord and then someone who was it 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 was Punky Sirius pointed out that they had canon Orion being the Asian because they want the black sisters like Bellatrix and Andromeda and Narcissa to be white and I was like huh and then I pulled up a family tree and it turns out that um the black sisters are on Walburga's side they are the children of Walburga's brother mm. and I had always had them on Orion's side so that's so interesting that we assume that without looking yeah I just assumed like it's Walburga and Alfred and Cygnus mm. and Cygnus is the, the sister's father. Yeah, Cygnus is married to Juella. Right. Let's face it, the Black family tree is an utter shit show. Yes. It's braided. I mean, it is braided. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting that people naturally headcanon. I don't know if it's people, actually. I'm making a generalization. No, I it's think just... <laughs> It's interesting. Okay, so here's a question for you guys. Do you, A, do you headcanon the Black family as East Asian? slash not white at any point when you're writing b if you do is it a particular side of the family is it both of them i will say this mm. it for me personally it changes on whether it's a magical mm-hmm. universe right because if mm. it's in the wizarding world then 
I tend to have them be like Thai usually. Mm. Um, but if it's not, then I have them be just white because of the white supremacist thing that they have going on. That's so interesting. I feel like I'm the other way around because I see the blacks in wizarding culture as this like aristocratic. Oh, but I don't know, actually. I don't know. I think head canons just changed depending yeah, characterization, but not so much on universe. I think I can get away either. Yeah, I guess, th- I mean, that's what I usually do mm. when I'm writing because like when I'm writing in universe, the focus is so much so on your like wizard blood status mm. rather than your race. I mean, I know it doesn't really like race doesn't really come up in the book. So Mm. we can kind of do with it what we want. And so like, that's what I choose to do. I choose to believe that they just hate you because you're muggle born and not because of the color of your skin. But in order to translate that into like a a muggle universe, Mm. something else has to give. Yeah, I agree. I feel like translating the blacks into a muggle universe simultaneously one of the funnest and hardest things to do when you're writing an AU <laughs> like I, I love it I like but I also like agonize a lot on what what they do and what they're involved with and you know what they what their issues are yeah I have read a few interesting AUs that have um like Orion being an ambassador to Thailand mm, mm. or especially like having Walburga be like I don't know how you say it but like um, basically abandoning like, like Thai culture to try to be, be British. Right, yeah. Okay, so that was, it's not necessarily a rant, but I just... Your mind was blown. Yes. <laughs> okay, fest. Yes, fests. Um, sign-ups for Daddy Fest are open. Prompting is done, so you can go and check out the prompt. Uh, as we're recording this, it opens tomorrow, so I don't know what information you need, but everything is on the Daddy Fest tumblr so go and check that out there's loads like last time i checked there was 80 prompts oh my goodness yeah there's a lot uh there'll be something for everyone there's plenty of wolf star there's if not a primary wolf star shipper there's drari there's loads of rare pairs there's some triads there's something for everyone so go and check daddy fest out if that's something you are interested in um hp drizzle is still open Again, a fast multi-ship fest, um, and doesn't start posting till fall slash autumn. autumn. <laughs> oh, hearing you say autumn is really <laughs> <laughs> autumn. <laughs> um, we call it fall because the leaf fall down. Yes, fall thing fall down. Okay, so there's plenty of time. Um, I don't think that there's a word count. Yes, it, on drizzle. There fest. is. It's one k. There is. Oh, okay. Well, that's not me. Wolfstar Games. Yes, I'm trying to find those. Do you know, I'm, I'm new to Wolfstar Games. I don't really know that much about it. Can you talk about it? Yeah, so uh, it was, it's a re, it's sort of an homage to the RS games that um, I certainly missed out on coming reasonably late to fandom. Um, but it's a fest where we're put in teams and the teams have engaged in some sort of friendly competition. The theme for this year is travel. Um, and we have three teams who will sign up. They will get assigned to the team, I believe. Uh, and um, we get to write about travel, which is exciting. I feel like my brain's already, like, tinkling away. Um, but the details for it are on their Tumblr. Sign-ups open on the 5th of June. I feel like it's going to be... It feels like a sort of fandom throwback. 
<laughs> says me who has been in fandom for like six months but <laughs> yes it's, it's gonna be some healthy team competition we'll link their tumblr in the show notes all right well Yume Nouveau is doing a wonderful um fast fast um thingy competition thank you words um to encourage collaboration between artists and authors so submit to her um a fic on tumblr or you can post it on ao3 there's a collection that she has made that you can post to and it just has to be longer than a paragraph um she's given four art pieces for people to be inspired by yeah and then she'll draw a picture for the winner which will be chosen randomly on july 1st and if you haven't seen yume's art it's stunning it's breathtaking uh, i am immediately inspired by those art pieces there will be a link to all the requirements and all that stuff yeah go and go and shower yume with with fic based on her art and there's another competition Grame is hosting a wee paper doll competition uh, where she will draw a character in an utterly outlandish outfit of your choosing. Uh, this this stemmed from uh, me and Ame actually being in a museum and going through the fashion uh, archives and saying that Sirius would look damn good. So if there is an outlandish fashion that you love, send it to Ame on Tumblr or wherever your preferred uh, method of communication is, and she's going to pick a handful. Sounds perfect to me. Yes. Uh, Wolfstar Big Bang is still posting. Everything is awesome if you haven't read them. Yes. Do so. They're all so good. I've been trying to keep up. There's like maybe two I haven't read so far. Uh, Like productivity is at an all-time low. I'm just just reading these. But I wanted to give a shout out to a couple that I really enjoyed. First one is Malfoy. Well, they're not in any particular order. The first one I'm going to mention is Malfoy's Magical Menagerie, Tongue Twister, by Muse in Absentia. Uh, it's beautiful. It's like a dystopian AU. Uh, the, the dialogue in it and the way that Muse writes relationships, the way they come together, is stunning. Uh, the second one I wanted to mention is Not If It's You, by Estas Absentis. Butchering names today. It's an AU featuring a Lilo at Lupin's, but 10 years earlier. So uh, Sirius gets out of Azkaban early on a trial. Uh, oh, it's like tender and beautiful and sad and really like slow and quiet. And the way that Eve writes the relationship between Remus and Harry and Sirius is lovely. It's beautiful. Recommend. The third one I wanted to mention was Thick Ties by Let's Do the Panic. It's an AU where Remus and Sirius never reconciled after the prank in fifth year and how that's gone on to affect their relationship or lack of. They meet again as professors in the mid-80s. It's beautiful. It's really tender. It's uh, witty in this way that she writes the most witty internal dialogue. And I love that. Fourth one I wanted to mention is The Sweet Love Between the Moon and the Deep Blue Sea by Tagami. It's a Muggle AU where Sirius is a rock star and Remus is a guardian angel assigned to stop him looking his life over, essentially. <laughs> so cute! Like, I loved this art when we saw it for claims. Beautiful. And I love, I love the direction of the story. I love the characterizations for both of them. 
there was some real like tug on my heartstrings moment beautiful so if you haven't read everything for <laughs> for wolf star big bang you are in for a total treat and there will be so many wonderful things for you to read okay so nothing is revealing right now that we know of if we've missed something please let us know yep okay on to the main the segment. main segment Okay, so the Marauders in Philosopher's Stone. This is the whole second, I won't even say the second half, the whole rest of the book. So we do the first five chapters up until, up through Harry finding out he's a wizard. Um, and now we're starting with chapter six, which is the journey from platform nine and three quarters through to the rest of the book. The reason we're doing this one is because the Marauders aren't mentioned all that much in this, in this book. Most of the mentions in these chapters are scabbers. But a scabbers doesn't particularly do anything interesting until book three. <laughs> but I also feel like it's really important to mention him because there is this like thread that's being pulled through from the very beginning. Right. Yeah, for sure. He is important and he is there. He is important. He's not likable, but he is important. Mostly he is used as a plot device, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the first mention of him in chapter six is Ron kind of ranting about how he never gets anything new, mm-hmm. right? So he says, I've got Bill's old robes, Charlie's old wand, and Percy's old rat. Where Percy got this rat, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. It seems that the Weasleys have a kind of family rule that they will buy you something if you get an honor. So like, if you become a prefect or if you become the Quidditch captain or something like that, then they'll buy you something new. Otherwise you get hand-me-downs. So since Percy has just become a prefect this year, I presume that they didn't buy him a rat. Right. Like, I like to think, uh, I wonder if um, like uh, Scabbers just like turned up at their door and sort of invited himself. Yeah. In, because I can see Peter being like, right, I need to find myself a wizarding family and keep my head the hell down. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he wanted to, to find somebody and yeah, maybe he just was wandering around and one of the Weasleys brought him home or something. I don't know. But I also think that when you think about the Weasleys and there are so many Weasleys and they're, the chaos that just generally surrounds them is probably a much easier place for Peter to mm. hide and also get stay in, in touch with what's happening mm. rather than like with, for example, like the Malfoys, right? right? They they keep tabs on so much of every detail. Right. So the big thing that, that Scabbers does, of course, is um, bite Goyle's finger. The one positive thing, um, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> right. He defends their their sweets from from Goyle when Malfoy and Crabbe and Goyle come visiting. And he uh, defends them and then promptly goes back to sleep again. <laughs> I think he's been knocked out, Ron said to Harry. He looked closer at Scabbers. No, <sighs> no, I don't believe it. He's gone back to sleep. And so he had. Okay, so let's get on to more exciting marauders. Chapter nine, The Midnight Duel. I'm so ready. After, <laughs> after Harry's impressive flying lesson. McGonagall allows him to join the Quidditch team. And then McGonagall says, your father would have been so proud. He was an excellent Quidditch player himself. I'm emotions. Yes. Yeah. 
there's this constant <laughs> this reminds me of a post I saw actually of this constant comparing of Harry to James and how mm-hmm. like potentially damaging that might be to him as a child which made me think of that I have nothing else to say on it but it just made me think of that but there is this constant callback to Harry's dead parents everyone reminds him of it constantly mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's kind of an interesting thing that he and Ron end up having in common, but I don't think they ever notice it, or at least they don't explicitly talk about it, where Harry is trying to live up to this mythology of his parents, mm-hmm. and especially James. Always, every adult he interacts with comments about how much he's like mm-hmm. James and all the things that he does, like, you know, that he's going to play Quidditch, and James was a great Quidditch player, and Ron is kind of going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, having all these older brothers and if he does well, you know, it doesn't matter because they did it first. Mm. Right. But he has this expectation or people have this expectation of him that he will be just like Bill and Charlie and Percy. No one ever compares him to Fred and George, which makes me sad. Okay. So chapter 12, the mirror of Ira said, I'm not ready. (laughs) Okay, so there are a couple of scenes in here. The first one is Harry getting the cloak and on Christmas, and the cloak has a note with it that says, your father left this in my possession before he died. It is time it was returned to you. Use it well. A very Merry Christmas to you. I smell a plot hole. <laughs> in what world would James have given his cloak to Dumbledore? There's just a bit of me that's like, James loved the cloak. That's probably Fanon, I know. And also, like, he feels they're being, they're in hiding. They're being threatened on, like, on the reg. And he gives his means of escaping to Dumbledore. Right. Well, so here's two ideas that I have about this. The first one is that Dumbledore is the head of the order, right? And after James, like, presumably, James would use the cloak while he's out on missions. Mm. (laughs) It seems pretty useful. Mm -hmm. But once he goes into hiding, like he's under the Fidelius charm. He has no expectation that anything bad is going to happen to him. That's the point. That's true. Right? So why does he need it? Someone else could use the cloak. That's a very James thing. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Okay, so I trust my friends entirely. I'm in no danger and I'm under the Fidelius. And someone else can mm-hmm. use this thing to better the order. Yeah, and then when it's all over, I'll get it back. Oh, <laughs> you know, <God>. like <laughs> yes, yeah. No, I okay. I think that sounds very James. Yeah, so that that's my most reasonable mm. one. Um, I feel like your second one is more Dumbledore the, bashing. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the second one would be that, like, somehow Dumbledore acquired the cloak. In the aftermath of Halloween. Oh, and he just says he left it in his possession. Yikes. Yeah, but that's very, like, I think almost too sinister even for Dumbledore. But I don't know. Like, he does tend to twist things, but that's really, like, explicit lying, which isn't something that Dumbledore really does. Unless, yeah. Because he's very very explicit on the, like, if he's not going to tell you something, he'll be like, I can't tell Mm. you. I wonder if, rather than saying left is in my possession, it's more of Dumbledore asks to borrow the cloak, and James gives it to him. Yeah, well, and, like, this is, 
this is the theme of the relationship between Dumbledore and Lies. Harry, right? Like that Dumbledore doesn't tell. Well, there, but see, that's the thing. He's not mm-hmm. lying. He's just not giving all the information. He's he's withholding a lot. But the things that he says are true. Mm. You know, and and like when we get to the end of Philosopher's Stone, you know, the first thing that Harry asks is why, like, why is this happening? Right. You know, like what's with with Voldemort Mm. and Quirrell and everything and and why me, basically? And Dumbledore says, like, I can't tell you Mm. right now. Mm, That's true. You're not, you know, so like, I don't think it doesn't seem in character for Dumbledore to say your father left this in my possession. Mm. If he took it, mm. you know, but that doesn't mean that that's exactly what happened. It, it doesn't mean that James gave Dumbledore the cloak to keep it safe, yeah. right? It could be that, like what you said, you know, Dumbledore asked to borrow it and Dumbledore never returned it before James died. Mm. And so now he's just mm. had it. I think, I think this is showing our, um, our Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> bias. I think our bias is showing. Okay, so later on, in the same chapter where Harry gets to the mirror of Irised and he looks in it and he sees his family for the first time. Ooh. And I'm just going to read this whole description because it's wonderful. This I'll week. just quietly sob in the corner. You guys don't mind me. Okay. She was a very pretty woman. She had dark red hair and her eyes. Her eyes are just like mine, Harry thought, edging a little closer to the glass. Bright green, exactly the same shape. But then he noticed that she was crying smiling but crying at the same time. The tall, thin, black-haired man standing next to her put his arm around her. He wore glasses, and his hair was very untidy. It stuck up at the back, just as Harry's did. Harry was so close to the mirror now that his nose was nearly touching that of his reflection. Mom, he whispered. Dad? They just looked at him, smiling. And slowly, Harry looked into the faces of the other people in the mirror and saw other pairs of green eyes like his, other noses like his, even a little old man who looked as though he had Harry's knobbly knees. Harry was looking at his family for the first time in his life. (laughs) It's so beautiful and sad. I don't even know if I can say anything objectively interesting about it apart from wailing. Well, so this is, we've now had several people tell Harry that he looks like James, but he has Lily's Mm. eyes. But aside from a description of Harry in the very Mm. beginning of the book, we don't, this is the first kind of evidence that we have of how much Harry resembles his Mm. parents. Mm. This is the first glance that we have into what James and Lily actually look like and seeing them together and with Harry and and that James wore glasses like Harry does. And his untidy hair. Yes, and the hair. The hair. James Potter's hair. (laughs) Oh, Yeah, I'm just emotional about this now. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to skip to the end Mm -hmm. of the book. Chapter 17, the very last chapter, The Man with Two Faces. So... Harry asks about the invisibility cloak when Dumbledore comes to visit him in the hospital wing. And Dumbledore says, ah, here we go. Ah, your father happened to leave it in my possession and I thought you might like it. Then he says, useful things. Your father used it mainly for sneaking off to the kitchens to steal food when he was here. This reminds me of a discussion that was had a while ago about whether they were pranksters or whether they just 
sort of shitted about, I suppose. Yeah, you know, I never, I never thought of them as pranksters mm-hmm. until I started reading about it in Fanon. That's interesting. I am not, I think probably because I'm not a like pull pranks kind of person. Mm. So it doesn't occur to me to read them that Mm. way. That makes sense. And my impression of the map, because I feel like a lot of this comes from like them creating the Marauders map and then using it to like be able to sneak Mm. places and, and set up pranks and stuff. But you know, like here he says he used it mostly for sneaking down to steal food. Mm. I mean, which is what I would do, (laughs) you know, like like going around, you know, sneaking, finding all the tunnels that go to Hogsmeade. And yeah, I think a lot of it perhaps comes from uh, my personal opinion, comes from the fact that James and Sirius were bored (laughs) because I I think that they were bored a lot of the time because, you know, when people are so smart, they don't feel they need to pay attention and they just get bored. Right. I think there's... Something to be said for walking along the line of the, the pranks, because I feel like they were the kind of people that if they were wronged in any way, they would they would clap back. And sure. so I, I see the, uh, I have mentioned it in a fake of mine, that they don't prank, but they will go and... Retaliate. Yeah, that's the word. Thank you. They will go and retaliate for certain things. They're like, oh, there's a group of Slytherings picking on this first year girl for having a, a mom who's a muggle. The Marauders will go and clap back to them or like, right. you know, and I think they act out in like a, a boredom sense of the word. And I don't know whether that's like highly orchestrated pranks or whether that's just what can we do? Let's turn all the desks around in Professor Binz's office because we're Right. Well, and like the map to me, it was, and and we can get more into this when we get to book three and we talk more about the, the origins of the map. But um, it seemed to me like they have this friend who's a werewolf. They, be, you know, James and, and Peter and Sirius become animagi. Mm. They start wandering around the grounds at night as mm. animals. Mm. And they learn all these secrets mm. and they're like, these are quite secrets that nobody, like presumably no one knew about until mm. us, right? Because whenever you discover something, you're the first person to ever discover yeah, it. Of course, of course. Like we should, we should write it down, mm. you know, like as our legacy. Cause you yeah. know, like, oh, they would love very, that. like the Marauders, you know? Um, and so that's, I feel like where the idea for the map came from. Mm. I'm like first let's just map out where all these secret passages are that we've found mm. and then you know it kind of spiraled from there <clears throat> yeah I, I love Hogwarts horrifics where they touch on how the map was made because it's something that we really don't know much about and so like what was the catalyst when did they make it was it you know there's loads of different ones I think it's in is it all the young dudes where they get given a map at the beginning of at first year they get given like a little uh, like pamphlet map and Remus adds on to his when he finds us um finds a secret passageway or he'll like note down that this staircase turns this way and takes you into a corridor except on a Sunday it turns the other way and like he's noticing all these different bits and this this map that he starts off school with eventually grows into the Marauders map and he introduces boys to it and it, it goes from there and I think that's, that's really, really that's, yeah it's so good it's I'll link all the young dudes because I love that fic. It was my first first fic I read. I'm trying to think if there's any others that have touched on the, the map. Okay, well, let's let's do this. If you guys have a thought about how you think the map was created, mm. or like, why, what was the catalyst for creating the map, send it in. Tell us know what you think. Yeah, yeah. Let us know, like, uh, email, Tumblr, 
hit one of us up on Discord or in DMs if you don't want to go through the podcast Tumblr. That's fine. And we will discuss everybody's headcanon, uh, maybe a bit prematurely. Like, we could probably do this in book three. Uh, well, we can save it for book three. But if you if you have an idea, just send it to us and we'll save it. In the meantime, later on in the same scene, mm. Harry's still asking questions about of Dumbledore. Um, and he asks, he asks why Snape hates him. Mm. Um, and... And so this is the first mention of what we in Fanon call the prank, right? Mm. So it says, Quirrell said he hates me because he hated my father. Is that true? Well, they did rather detest each other, not unlike yourself and Mr. Malfoy. And then your father did something Snape could never forgive. What? He saved his life. What? Yes, Dumbledore said dreamily. Funny the way people's minds work, isn't it? Professor Snape couldn't bear being in your father's debt. I do believe he worked so hard to protect you this year because he felt that would make him and your father even. Then he could go back to hating your father's memory in peace. Mm. Snape is interesting. <sighs> interesting. That's, so that's the first mention we get of Prank. This is the first mention of it, and that's interesting that he frames it. Yeah, here, here's my bias yeah. coming out through Dumbledore's bias, right? Yeah. Um, that Dumbledore is trying to encourage Harry to be like the James everyone remembers through the rose tint of memory mm. in the Order of the Phoenix, right? Not the James from school or any mm. other James that someone might remember. But, you know, when when someone dies so tragically, we in culture tend to... Like, absolve all of their wrongs. Right. Like, they, we, we remember... The, we, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Martyr. We martyr them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, regardless of what James actually did or didn't do, you know, he died for this great cause... Mm-hmm. And so everyone's going to change their memories of him mm-hmm. to be more positive. And, oh, he had this ultimate sacrifice that saved mm-hmm. the wizarding world, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I think that Dumbledore wants to encourage that in Harry, you know, to, to encourage that um, mm. idea that he should be like that James. Yeah, he wants to promote James and Lily as heroes and martyrs rather than Harry's parents, perhaps. Yes. Our bias is so showing, but yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I, yeah. agree I agree with you that, that uh, Dumbledore did a lot to shape Harry's understanding of his parents. Okay. Now, <laughs> oh my God. another sad I thing. know, this bit, this bit, I just saw this bit. Do you want me to read it? Go ahead. Oh. So this is when Hagrid gives uh, the photo album to Harry at the end. And it goes, uh, it seemed to be a Hans leather cup book. Harry opened it curiously. It was full of wizard photographs. Smiling and waving at him from every page were his mother and father. I'm not going to do the accent. <laughs> <laughs> Sent owls off to all your parents' old friends, asking for photos. Knew you didn't have any. Do you like it? And then, so... <laughs> so, oh God, the old school friends. Okay. Parents' old school Wait. friends. So Hagrid, this is not something that ever occurred to me the first you know, time I read through this book, because you don't know, right? But so uh, <clears throat> my first question is this. Did Hagrid send an owl to Remus? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> um, also, 
who else is left? Yeah, I was thinking that. Who else is left? That was my right. second thought right after, oh my God, can you imagine Remus getting an owl and he hasn't spoken to Harry in years and Harry doesn't know who he is and he potentially has right. photo albums full of this little boy. Oh God, no, I could. But I mean, think about like, again, up to Order of the Phoenix mm. when Mad-Eye shows that photograph of the first order to mm, harry mm. pretty much all those people are dead yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah. who's not dead mad eye i have the photograph open in a tab hold on um the 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 thief guy uh oh um, fletch. With F. fletch fletch mundungus fletch fletcher yeah fletcher. so um moody alive deadliest diggle not alive 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 who deadliest diggle Yes, alive. yes, we meet him in, in the first book, actually. Oh, yes. So he's, he's in that picture. Uh, Marlene, dead. Alison Frank, dead. Emmeline Vance, alive. Well, actually, technically, Alice is not dead. Oh, my God, yes. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose Hagrid could have sent an owl to Neville's grandma. I suppose. He presumably has all of Frank and Alice's stuff. But actually, the majority of people in that list are dead. Actually, now I'm yeah. looking at it. Uh, Caradoc, Gideon, Alphaeus Doge is, is alive. Possibly Sturgis Podmore, alive. Edgar Bones, alive? Question mark. Benji Fenwick, dead. Remus, sequestering himself in a hitherto unknown cottage somewhere, I imagine. Right. And, like, presumably they had other friends that weren't in the Order, yeah, right? But, true. like, we don't... You know, it's it's funny be- how your, your perspective changes, right? Because from this line, when you're reading the books for the first time, mm. you're like, oh, all their friends. You know, like, think about all the... Like, your parents' friends that they've mm. had since, you know, they mm. were kids or whatever mm. that you kind of grow up knowing. So, like, all mm. of those people. Mm. Mm. But then later you're like, oh, well, most of them are dead. So who did he send all these owls to? <laughs> oh, God, that's so grim. I imagine he would have sent one to Rima. Yeah, certainly, certainly. That just makes me want to bawl my eyes out, man. Poor Remus getting that letter. Yeah, well, and it makes book three, the beginning of book three, when Remus um, is in the compartment on the train, all that much, like... Harry didn't ask how Remus knew his name. You know, like, well, we'll talk I'm, about that. I am going to be the best when we get to that bit, because that bit of the idea of Remus waking up in, in a compartment on the Hogwarts Express across from a boy who looks the spit of his best mate is just, like, terrifyingly sad to me. Okay. So, if you have any thoughts on who Hagrid might have asked, let us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we'll move on to book two. Which is my least favorite book. That's interesting. Why is it your least favorite? Do you know? Is there something specific about it that you don't? Well, so I don't handle very well the like ostracizing of people. Mm. And while there are certainly other books where Harry gets ostracized, for the most part, he gets ostracized as a group. Right, mm-hmm. like in book five, he has a whole group of people where he, you know, where Umbridge mm-hmm. ostracizes him and all his friends, right? But they're together. Mm. Where, like, in book two, he, like, even Ron abandons him for a little bit, like, mm. you know? Yeah, okay. And so he gets, he gets isolated, and I just, like, ugh. not a thing you enjoy reading. Yeah, it's not my favorite. But I don't, I'm reading it for you guys because that's how much I love you. <laughs> I don't Take think it there's. Take it for the team. 
yes, it's going to be like the third time I've ever read it in my life. So there you go. There we go. I always skip it when I reread the book. <laughs> I, but I read it, the, of course, the first time. Yeah. And then right before the seventh book came out, I reread all of them. Oh. And I made myself read the second one. So now this will be time three in like 20 something years. God. Okay. So we don't have any opinions to talk about particularly at this time. But if you have any opinions that you want to talk about or you want us to talk about, send them in. We can talk about them next time. If you have a view that differs or have strong yeah. feelings about anything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hit us up with your opinions on like what we've talked about today. Give me opinions on sidecars and Harrogate getting in touch with Lily and James's old school friends and um, whether or not the Marauders were particularly prankstery. All right, what have we been discussing this week? Oh, so much. There, there was one particular discussion that was quite heartwarming of um, opinions on facial hair, which I feel like is partly debated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, some people had very strong opinions about that. <laughs> there was a big talk about whether Remus should have a moustache or not. I am, I am fond of particularly awful late 70s, early 80s hair in general. Like give me the mullet <laughs> and like the neon windbreaker and the like Tom Selleck mustache. We are all shocked, Jen. <laughs> so shocked. <laughs> I have a brand and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I I have to say I had Canon Remus as the one with the facial hair. I really struggle to see Sirius, at least in uh, like Canon or close to Canon universes. I struggle to see him with facial hair. He always has just a bit of stubble for me. I think his cheekbones are too nice to hide under <laughs> under <laughs> facial hair. But I have there's some AUs like I'm particularly fond of a good mutton chops in a Victorian AU. But I struggle to see Sirius as having anything. Whereas Remus, I'm like, give me the awful mustache. <laughs> what about you? Do you what do you, what do you prefer? Well, I mean, pretty much I prefer on the Marauders what I personally prefer on people <laughs> because I, I like them so like my husband has a has a quite nice thick beard it's magnificent uh, thank you I I it only took me like almost a decade to convince him to grow it um and he's never allowed to shave it um never so I, I do no, never yeah so do you do you think everyone has a fantastic beard? <laughs> no, actually, you know what? I, I think that um, I like Sirius with a very close cut beard. Mm -hmm. I don't think he would really want a full beard mm. um, because that seems to be very um, traditional wizard mm. thing. Mm. Interesting. And I don't think that, that he would want that because he doesn't like wizard traditions very yeah. much. I think he wants to be like... Uh, this is probably fun and projecting a little bit here, but he quite likes being like cool and hip and right. beard is not the youngest, coolest, hippest thing. Yeah, but, and uh, yeah, I, I think I agree that part of my, my headcanon for his facial hair comes from like the fanon ideas of being like the leather rebel motorcycle mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. But having that like perpetual stubble, you know how like some men... Mm. It's like they have like that shadow all the time mm, mm, mm -hmm. because like, they do it on purpose rather than like just because they didn't shave. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like he has that because it would make him feel like 
rugged. more rebellious and rugged and yeah. whatever. I think James would do whatever Lily wanted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like when he was like 15, he'd be like, I can grow facial hair, you know, like how boys yeah. do. <laughs> and, and he would like grow and he'd have like this tiny mustache like you do when you're an awkward 15 year old boy yeah and lily would make some comment and just be like i'm shaving every day forever <laughs> <laughs> yes and then like two years down the line she's like you know i actually quite like you with a mustache and he's like i shaved it why yeah well so like he shaves he shaves in for like the whole rest of of school he shaves every day like it's like the thing where's james he's shaving every day <laughs> for the whole rest of the whole rest of school right and then he and lily get together and they're like running around with the order and everything's a hot mess and he hasn't shaved in like three days mm. and lily's like man you look really nice with that stubble like i like it and he's like oh, i'm never shaving again <laughs> yeah. that's that's so <sighs> that's james yeah yeah and uh i i i counted it peter is struggling to grow anything at all yeah. Peter has that really thin, like, six hair mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> okay. Uh, so our linguistic legacy for this episode is from a Big, a big Bang fic. It's from Someone to Carry You by a tiny-armed T-Rex. Uh, sighing, Dumbledore put down his paper. What was your first attention for at Hogwarts? Borrowing Filch's keys, Sirius replied. Lying about him stealing Filch's keys, Remus said. And I, I just think that's so, that condenses like the dynamic down to two lines and it's just beautiful. And I love it so much. I laughed for a good while when I first read that. It's a great one. It's so good. And I think it ties back nicely to our discussion about prankings and such. Next episode, we have another interview with a creator in the fandom. So tune in to find out some opinions and see who we're interviewing. Don't forget to send us your opinions with capital O's. Oh, and uh, if you want to leave us a nice review somewhere, say like on iTunes, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to help us grow, you can leave us a review (laughs) on iTunes and share us with your friends. Those five-star reviews will be greatly appreciated and may or may not be rewarded <laughs> with travels. Uh, but until next time... Uh, oh, I don't know why I sort of sounded like I was signing off a TV show then. But uh, until next time, <laughs> we've been Purple and Jen. <laughs> and you've been listening to Seriously Moon. <laughs> Our wonderful theme music was made for us by the equally wonderful Isabella Mess. You can check out her website in the show notes below. Mischief managed.